Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, Adam shares how he broke into Big Four Audit after working for a year at a nonprofit and graduating from his super non-target school with a degree in accounting. We learn how he ended up at that non-target, how he made the jump into the Big Four, and then how his impressive performance opened doors internally to make his final transition into more interesting strategy work. Learn why his bosses were consistently impressed so you can try to emulate his path. Enjoy. All right, Adam, thank you so much for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. So it'd be great if you could just give the listeners a short summary of your background. Sure. So right now I am a big four consultant. I work on management consulting, operational consulting, a bit of strategy. Mm -hmm. I work um, specifically with alternative asset managers, so most of the listeners should be familiar with that, but we're talking PE, hedge fund, real estate, not so much on the on the VC side. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an accounting degree from a non-target school. I recruited into the firm in the risk assurance practice. Um, after doing a year at a nonprofit, actually, and then ended up making my way into one of the broader management consulting commercial service lines uh, two years in. And then just due to working with some great people, ended up transferring into the alts practice. Um, I've been here officially for like three or four months. Awesome. And so coming from that non-target what was kind of in, in graduating with an accounting degree, what was the thought process? Were you thinking big four? Why, why go nonprofit when you first came so, out? So it's a, it's a bit of an interesting story, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I had two offers coming out of school. One was with the nonprofit, which mm-hmm. I had gotten the offer there just because I interned there one summer. And then I had an offer at a, a small local accounting firm. Um, so I, it wasn't even on the mind. Um, Big Four didn't really have a presence at my school. It was even a non-target for the assurance practices. Got it. Okay. So you, um, you were at like a super about, non. We'll call it a super non-target. Basically, the people. Yeah. You're even if with with accounting background, you're basically it's a stretch to get to the Big Four. If you were to make it to the Big Four, there, it's like wow, kind of impressive, right? Is that is that accurate? Yeah, exactly. Like okay. we, I think in my class. Um, we had maybe two people that got big four, a lot of like your Grant Thornton, mm-hmm. uh, RSM level. Yep. Um, but 
after maybe six months working at the nonprofit, mm-hmm. um, I found out two things that were very surprising to me. One, there was a job posting on the school job board for the big four role that I ended up getting. And two, they allowed people to use that on-campus recruiting even after graduating. So put in an application and, you know, went through a pretty standard uh, recruiting process. So you're still able to use OCR even after you graduated? You'd be able to join, so like even if you're a year out? How long do they extend that for alum? Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's at least uh, at least a year out, obviously. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's one of the advantages of going to a super non-target have, uh, <laughs> weird policies like that. Okay. So you're, you saw something through OCR, you kind of, you were close enough to campus where you're able to kind of participate or is just the, was it just this one position you applied for? It was just the one position I applied for. Okay. Um, they had, again, no on campus presence. So it was just a phone screen and then a final. And can you tell me a little bit about, um, so you got selected for the phone screen, obviously. Was there anything unexpected on the phone screen? Or was it just very much like fit questions? That's your standard, not, maybe not even fit questions, just like HR telling you what the role is and then just don't trip over your words too hard and you get the <laughs> final, I guess. And specifically about the, uh, tell me a little bit about no, no kind of case interview. What was the final like? Um, when no, you- so like, um, frankly, like accounting gets looked down on a lot in like the finance community. And I'd say that this part of it might be a good reason for that in that really at the entry level, the accounting firms are looking for warm bodies. Anybody can do the job. Mm-hmm. The entire interview is about, are we going to be able to stand sitting in a room with this guy for 12 hours? Right. Like, are you, so, di- are you diligent? Are you going to get the work done? Or are you going to complain? Um, and can they see yeah, some of that? Yeah. And, I'd say even bigger than that is, can they hold a conversation? <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. So but let's rewind a little bit before you kind of, let's go back to the nonprofit. Um, so you had interned sure. there and you were doing what kind of stuff there for them. Did you enjoy it? What what made you kind of, why were you still looking, I guess? Yeah, I so it was, so I, I guess I'll, there's a couple parts of that question. Mm-hmm. Um, I did enjoy it very much. Uh, the people I worked with were great. I am still a little bit involved with that mm-hmm. organization, even though not as much as I'd like to be. Um, as far as the work that I was doing there, it kind of uh, it kind of evolved. So when so I first went on as a volunteer um, because I didn't really have a lot of internship prospects, and I figured some volunteer work would look good on the resume. Mm-hmm. Um, they tasked me with pretty much doing a data cleanup exercise on all their donor donor data. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I did was I took all their garbage Excel spreadsheets, cleaned them up, ended up building a pretty functional access database um, that worked pretty well with all the donor data. And then um, that was around the point where I was finishing up my internship. So you actually, in, in Microsoft Access, you built out, you took all their Excel database crap and and then sheets and you got it into an actual like using access basically yep you built that in so you got all that so there's a lot of like data mining data entry i assume or just copy and pasting (laughs) or well what was it so it's scripts or how do i I would say the biggest lift was normalizing the data right so obviously any idiot can copy and yep. paste everything in. And frankly, any idiot can do the normalization, but it's a lot more involved, like making sure that the donor doesn't have their name in there two different ways. Yep. The address formats line up, 
you know, that kind of thing. Yep. Okay. So you, that was kind of your internship. Sounds like a pretty standard internship. And then yeah. you, um, they gave you the offer. Um, was it something where you were excited? Were you just like, oh, this might be a good option? And let's go back a little bit. What what made you go to um, your your super non-target? Did you not know? Was it just what was available to you? Kind of going back further. Sure. So I um, I started college at a target. Mm-hmm. I due to a number of reasons picking a major that was above my depth. Um, I don't know. I just wasn't maybe mature enough for school. Uh, I ended up doing pretty poorly there. Um, Fair. Tough so major then, at a target school where the competition's really... So it was, like, it was basically a tough major at a target school, really tough competition. Um, you didn't do well. Maybe you weren't ready or mature enough. Did you go at yeah. like right, af- right after high school, at like 18, 19? Yeah, seventeen. Okay, um, yeah. Started as a chemical engineering major. Brutal. <laughs> Looking back at it, I don't like chemistry or engineering, so I don't know what <laughs> made me choose that. Um, okay. <laughs> kind of cycled through a couple of STEM majors in my three years there, and then the uh, kind of writing was on the wall. That it's time to oh, you, get your shit together. So you did three. Figure something out. You did three years there. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And tell me about the family situation. Parents kind of supportive during this whole time. Pay, they're paying tuition and I know target schools are expensive, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was obvi- a target state school. What? Um, so it was in state tuition. It wasn't like horrible, but yeah, they were supporting me financially. Yep. They were understandably pissed. <laughs> my, like I was, I got like a three, nine, five in high school yeah. and going from that to kind of floundering in college was, Definitely a shock to the system for for me and for them. That's for, um, that's really interesting to me, like because you clearly had the intellectual chops to do. It. Was it more like, tell me why you think the maturity wasn't there? Was it because like you had freedom for the first time, where your parents were really strict and didn't let you party, and then you got to college and it was like fun, or was it more of the workload was just so different from high school? Like the high school you were at wasn't competitive, and then when you got to there, it was like just a whole other level. Or a combination. Yeah, you know, I'd say a little of column A, a little of column B. Yeah. Um, the freedom definitely was problematic mm-hmm. um, for me at that age. And then also, like, I was one of those kids that never had to study or really do much and get A's in right. high school. And I, and I don't think, I don't think that's because it wasn't a difficult high school. I just think I was good at high school and a lot less good at college. I mean, I came out of college with like 30 AP credits or something dumb like that. Yeah. It's interesting how that, that works. Like the, it's almost like the lack of structure of college can really make people flounder a little bit. If it depends on like how structured the high school is versus the college, it's, it's an interesting transition. So that's, sorry, thank you for sharing for that. Cause I know it's, I don't typically ask that, but I was just curious kind of how you ended up at, at the other non-target. And so you kind of were like, okay, something more reasonable accounting degree. I can get a job. It's something more kind of uh, lower risk, right? Is that the thought? Yeah, pretty much. Um, lower risk. And it was just kind of the best major yeah. at the non-target, I guess. Got it. Okay. So it's all making sense now. So you're, you, you do the internship um, at the nonprofit. The nonprofit gives you the offer. Are you thinking, hey, this is a potential long-term career career here? I really like these people. Or are you thinking, hey, this is a good first job out of college? 
I was thinking this is a good first job out of college. Um, one of the uh, – he was a donor to the nonprofit and also volunteered a lot of his time. Um, probably a later career professional, like uh, 10 to 15 years in. Yeah. Um, he actually worked at the firm that I work at now, and he kind of opened my mind about en- entertaining other options other than the nonprofit. Um, and it was a coincidence that that same firm was also the only big four firm that ended up recruiting at, or posting the, the job listing at, at my uh, college. So, it, so know, how, did, pretty, how did you even serendipitous there? How did you even meet this donor? Was it like an event or something? I was, he was volunteering on something that was related to what I was doing, and I don't even remember what it was. And did you just start up a conversation? How did that work? And did, was it awkward? Were you were you actively networking on purpose, or was it more of a, just a serendipitous meeting? Um, I'd say it was more of a serendipitous meeting. I mean, it wasn't awkward. I Yeah. You weren't like asking for a job. You weren't really trying to ask for a job or anything like that at that point. You were just curious. Definitely not trying to ask for a job. Mm -hmm. And he was completely unrelated to me getting the job, um, I believe. Uh, It was more just like we were working together. I thought he was a smart guy. I asked him what he did. Went from there. Got it. Okay, fair. So you're you're basically... Think he kind of plants the seed in terms of a possible transition. That job pops up on your on-campus recruiting. You apply... You do the easy phone screen, get passed on to the um, final round. Tell me the final round was still pretty pretty straightforward, warm. Like you said, they're trying to get warm bodies in there for, and this is for the audit, right? The audit role. Yeah, yep. it was um, risk assurance. Some firms call it risk advisory. It's basically controls work. Got it. Okay, so, you know, what other people can call either back office or middle office, um, similar kind of type, type of roles you're coming in. Um, you you land the job obviously is it a big pay jump what would can you do you mind sharing like pay ranges in terms of from the non actually a pay cut okay um, interesting i took it to because i knew the long term was better um mm-hmm. i didn't answer all your questions about the nonprofit. um yeah you can go back the so the work was actually really good and led to me getting the offer at the firm I'm at now. Um, after I built that access database, my biggest project once I was on full time was I was looking into like a real system. They were looking at some nonprofit focused CRM. I watched a demo. It looked like complete garbage to me. <laughs> um, I did some more research, found out that Salesforce gives a limited number of licenses for free to nonprofits. So I signed us up for that. Um, We ended up not paying for the other system. I built out a custom app in Salesforce, got all the data in there. So that was a pretty cool project. Uh, Learned a lot. Uh, I had barely even heard of Salesforce before that, but learned (laughs) how it worked, learned how to build things in there, even did some some coding and automation in there. so yeah, that was like my, my crowning achievement, I guess. And I finished that up pretty that's, much right when I was making the transition to uh, my current firm. That's awesome. And a lot of that was it, it's obviously just self-taught and the training videos and all that stuff. But did you feel like um, you could obviously talk to that during the interviews, which really helped because you're kind of a go-getter yeah. and a starter. And tell me, sure. tell me a little bit about like the, so all those 
was it like more hands off of the nonprofit where you had to kind of lead yourself or like you're like, hey, they're like, do you just handle all the data? We don't know what we're doing. Or what was the, was it a small enough team that you were kind of just given the reins? Yeah. So I was under the CFO mm-hmm. who was under the president. Um, the supervisory relationship that I had with the CFO was essentially I came up with a proposal of what I wanted to do, got her sign off, then I did it. So there was really no like direction per se, right? but she was still signing off on my proposed direction. Okay. That's fair. So tell me about, so you took a pay cut. Are are we talking like from like 60,000 base or 50,000 base down to 40 or what do we it was uh, 57 to 53, so pretty okay. nominal. Okay, and so, but you knew the long term at, at this big four, obviously, you had much higher, much higher. Ceiling. Yeah, at the nonprofit, I, like people sit there at the same pay for years, so right. I wasn't really having that. Okay, <laughs> so you're, you land this new job, you make the transition out. Tell me what's kind of the, the first week like. What's the, is it surprising? Is, it, is there anything? that shocked you? Was it just more standard? Okay, here's how you're going to block and tackle and help us. And then let's talk a little bit about the transition. Like how did you go from that one group to the other? How delicate was that? How hard was that to do? Sure. So those are two very different questions. Um, the first one, I don't think I was really surprised by any of it. I mean, I've always been pretty savvy on like what these career paths mean. I spend a fair amount of time on your website and I think I did even back then. And like the Reddit accounting and consulting communities are both fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think I was super surprised by anything except that pretty quickly I learned that I was picking shit up way faster than anybody else. And <laughs> That's part of what made me explore a transition. Like I was just like, it just, and part of it is you're doing the same thing every year for the same clients. I, I don't know. Um, it got, it gets old. I've, I've heard this from other, other guests. Like, yeah, yeah, it just, it gets repetitive after a couple of years. So you're, you're there for two years. When do you kind of start angling for this transition? How are you doing it? Are you networking internally? And then tell me so about I, that, like that kind of lead up to it. Sure. Um, So I knew from almost day one that I wanted to make a change. Mm -hmm. Um, My path was probably 40% skill and good networking, 60% pure unadulterated luck. Um, I proved myself on one of my first projects to a director that had a very good opinion of me um then she happened to be staffed in the lead pmo role on a consulting engagement she brought me in as pmo support um interestingly the client liked my performance more than they liked hers but that's a different thing um (laughs) tell me what is what is tell me what is pmo support what is what is pmo stand for sorry uh Project management. Project management. Okay. Got it. Yep. So um, then on that project, it was her and I as the project management mm-hmm. office. And then there were other consultants that were you know, doing the actual consulting work. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up make, building really good relationships with a lot of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, 
part of how I did that, I mean, this client was like an hour away, but I would, even if I wasn't there for the day, I would drive down for team dinner. Like, honestly, that's the biggest, like, piece of initiative that I can really claim credit for is putting in the time and effort to build relationships with, with those guys. Yeah, and this was intentional. Then, this was intentionally said, look, these guys, this is the type of work I want to be doing eventually. I don't want it to be brought in for a manager role or like a management role support. I want to be on this team. Was that the thought? No. no? So I wasn't explicit about it, but they're not stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically the cliff notes there. Like they saw that I was putting in the time to build the relationships. I was going to float the idea like as the engagement was wrapping up and one of the other guys floated it before I could. Got it. So tell me how that how that went down. Was it the director? Was it somebody else more senior? And that's kind of it was a manager yep. on the engagement. Um, like, hey, you should come over and do we, the next one with us too, sorry. or then like, or how did it work? Sorry, repeat that. Was it where they just said you should go on this next one with us, or like, and then tell me the logistics? No, if only it was that simple. <laughs> um, <laughs> we were at dinner one night, and and the manager was like, hey, you're clearly pretty sharp. You should think about making a change to something more interesting, um, like what we do. And I was like, yeah, I was actually going to bring that up, basically. And then, so I knew I had him on board. And then for the next year and a half, it was just like pulling teeth, going back and forth with HR, trying to figure out what the pipeline was, where Mm -hmm. the needs were. Um, And then finally, we did what we should have done for in the first place is the manager was like, look, I'm just going to get you in front of the partner. Um, got in front of the partner, transfer was finalized within a week. So you got to know the movers <laughs> and shakers, I guess. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So like you, you were trying to do it through HR, the right, you know, the quote right way, but that was clearly getting you very nowhere or just dragging because probably the audit partners were saying, no way we need it. We need the bodies. Right. And he's good. I don't even think the audit partners were saying, no, I just think that HR was just dragging. Like, who was dragging their heels for a year and a half? That seems like a long time to be waiting for that transition. I want to say it was HR. Um, yeah. I get the I don't blame. I don't that... blame. I don't blame them. I mean, they, it's probably hard to get people who are decent in your seat. Um, so they want to, well, you know. It's partly that. I also think there's just a huge volume of people trying to go through HR, so they probably don't take any of the requests seriously. Got it. So uh, unless there's a partner, not that many spots. Unless a partner kind of... Yeah, the partner tells them what to do, they do it. Yeah. Fair. Um, so, and then your pay, did it take a big jump when you went from audit to the to this other group? What's this other group called? Like management consultant? So alternative? the first group I transferred to, um, yep. I don't want to say the name That's because fine. it's firm specific. That's fine. Um, but mm-hmm. all the big fir- four firms have the equivalent of it, and it's essentially doing... Um, Financial transformation projects is like the bread and butter. So that's really like process overhaul uh, projects in the back office of our clients. Okay. Um, Now, the way these practices started, and I think this is the case for all four of the big fours, um, this is really just any project that falls under the CFO's purview at our clients pretty much goes to this practice. Mm -hmm. So our bread and butter was financial transformation, but we do a lot of, did a lot of other work. Like, um, I was on a lease accounting implementation project, for example. Okay. So it can be uh, a number of different things. Got it. And so you're in that group and then, um, how long were you there? And then when did you make the final transition to the group you're in now? 
So I was officially there for two years. Um, hold on just a second. Yep. I was officially there for two years. About a year in, I ended up getting staffed on a lease accounting implementation for a client in my current space, and they staffed it cross-practice, brought in some people from my area that were uh, better at the lease accounting stuff, and some people from their area that had more industry knowledge and depth. Mm -hmm. So I ended up um, impressing this director who, knock on wood, will be partner this year. Mm -hmm. um, ended up impressing him a lot, uh, floated the idea of making the change, and then he was like, hell yeah, man, let's do it. And uh, so after that lease accounting project wrapped, we did a couple of other projects in his space while I was still officially on the books of the other practice. Yep. And that was kind of like a two-way feel-each-other-out process. We wanted to make sure, one, that the work that they do is work I want to be doing because mm -hmm. uh, lease accounting if you don't know, sucks ass, and I didn't want to do that anymore. Um, <laughs> okay. And then we also wanted to make sure that them being impressed by me on that project was not a fluke and I could deliver on other projects. So, um, long story short, uh, we both came to the answer of yes, and we processed it as of July. Awesome. And so tell me um, specifically about why you think you impressed them. Like what were you, what are you doing day to like day? Because it, it sounds like a pattern where you impressed the first group and then impressed the second group. So what was were you going into these like knowing that this potentially may be a group you want and then just like putting in long hours and being really diligent and building relationships or was it something you were just doing on all your projects yeah it's something i was doing on all of my projects i didn't even consider the idea of a transfer when i started working with these guys mm -hmm. um and honestly when when i was talking to them about making the switch i wasn't even 100 percent sure i wanted to do it because while I really enjoyed the people I worked with, like that was really the only reason I wanted to switch. Like I didn't really know that much about the work they did, mm -hmm. about how I would like the industry. Um, but to answer your question more directly, the way that I impress people is one, I'm good at time management, project tracking, just like organizationally what you need to do to succeed on a project. Mm-hmm. Um, two, I am good at breaking down problems into the pieces that you really need to think about to get to solving them. Mm -hmm. um, and three, I've been <clears throat> told on multiple occasions that one of my biggest strengths is, is taking a, a complex uh, system or, or situation and explaining it in a way that that people can understand. Um, and that includes uh, client executives, because a lot of times they're at a, they're flying at 30,000 feet level and you're deep in the weeds and you need to bubble it up and explain it to them in a way, in a way that makes sense and more importantly, matters to them. Um, <clears throat> so those are like my, my strengths, like, uh, like consulting strengths, I guess. Um, yeah, dealing with say, clients. Yeah, dealing with clients. The other thing that impresses bit. people is, is just being proactive. Yeah. And that's something I've, I've always been good at. Do you think that's changed a lot since you, you struggled in college at that target? Is that something that's completely changed in you? Like just a maturity thing where you're like, okay, I, I got to get my, this is the real deal now. I'm on my own. Or is it, is it something that you always had and it's just, it was the environment that didn't let you kind of 
have similar success when you were 17 That's a good more. question. So, uh, and I haven't really thought Because we all, through, we all so change, we all change my, a lot, you know, coming through college, obviously yeah, in our 20s. So, uh, but definitely part of it is that I've changed. Yeah. Um, I'd say one thing that's made me a lot more successful in my career than I was academically is that I feel like the goals and what you're trying to accomplish in college are more abstract and, and less tangible. And, and that was especially the case for me when I started because I was a lot less informed about like career paths, what I wanted to do, et cetera. Yeah. Um, when, when you get into the business world, especially in a client service um, project based role is there's, there's always like the next Thing to work towards both from a macro and a micro level um, like macro being career wise and micro being project delivery there's there's just that always always that next thing to work towards and it it really I don't know makes it easier for, for my personality I guess great and then you know looking back um, before we call anything else you'd like you'd, you'd give your younger self any advice would you have taken a year off between high school and college would you have kind of done the same jumps that you've done along the way or any other kind of words of wisdom? Don't subscribe to World of Warcraft, probably. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Too much time, too many hours wasted? Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe that's, uh, yeah. It's addicting, huh? Well, <laughs> um, like other pieces of advice, I mean, frankly, it's, it's hard, like, one little, little soapbox moment here. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like some people are, are seriously, seriously privileged when they're going from high school to college to career with a family and parents that actually know what the fuck the business world is like, mm -hmm. which I had none of. Yep. And I'm not like blaming that on, on my path. Like, I guess my advice would be to research more and care earlier in my life. But I feel like, like, for example, some people get to senior year of high school knowing what a consultant or an investment banker is. I didn't. And I feel like if you have, if you're armed with that, you can, you're just probably a lot more set up for success. Career of course. Wise. Yeah. I mean, especially nowadays with, with the accelerated recruiting cycles, all this stuff going on. If you don't know by end of your freshman year and you have like a full set of classes and only a short amount of time to prep, it's, it's just that you're, you're behind. You're behind. You're already behind. So knowing, <laughs> knowing before your freshman year, I mean, it's, I'm doing this other show called monkey to millions where we, where I'm mentoring these four kids. And one of the mentees is she's just started. She's a freshman in college and like, she's already, like laying the foundation for the fall, you know, that freshman summer so that she can get the sophomore summer internship, which has now become kind of like the junior internship was. Um, so it's just crazy how early everything is shifted. Um, and yeah, you're right. If you don't know, let's say your parents are in medicine and you have no idea about finance or let's exactly say, like, let's, the case for me. yeah, my dad was, <laughs> was in medicine as well. I, I had no idea. I didn't even know until my, I think junior year really what an investment banker was. And I still probably didn't really know what really fully understand it. Um, back, th back then there was a lot more leeway for that. Um, and the competition wasn't as tough, but anyways, thank you for that, uh, for that advice. I'll definitely 
steer steer people away from war of, uh, war of worlds or what's called a war of war, war, warcraft or something? World, world of, of warcraft, warcraft. That's yeah right. yeah I think, my, <laughs> I think my friend in high school was addicted to that too <laughs> way back well in the day. i yeah i mean i don't know how you how old you are but it's probably pretty similar to my age almost 40 um, so yeah I'm an old uh, man. fair enough well yeah. i'm late 20s uh <laughs> Much I've heard the game kind of sucks now, so it's probably less of a less of a draw. But uh, back well, when I was playing, I think I Fortnite. Like I think Fortnite's the the real addicting one now. Um, yeah, probably. But anyways, All the kids <laughs> get off my lawn. <laughs> anyways, man, thanks so much for uh, taking the time. I really appreciate it. Had a, I enjoyed it. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, Patrick at WallStreetOasis.com. Until next time. Thank you.